Welcome to the HFS Podcast as a Service. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Well, this time we're talking about the HFS BPO Top 50 with one of the authors, Jamie Snowden. The Top 50 examines the leading BPO suppliers by revenue, giving HFS's view of the Top 50 providers globally. So let's get right to it with Jamie. So Jamie, why, why does this matter? So perhaps the important thing to mention is the BPO industry has experienced a number of acquisitions over the past few years and you know particularly in the customer care space so we expect to see some change in the players you know as they consolidate around those kind of industries you know we know of at least two acquisitions that are going to impact the top 10 providers so the, the the first few in the list already firstly we've seen Alorica and EGS merge but also we've seen the merger of of HPE uh, enterprise services and CSC and those are going to kind of help that organization retain you know it, its top 10 position but because this market has been so acquisitive over the last probably the last two to three years we would expect that to continue over the next you know certainly the next next 12 months and beyond as we see some of those players start to consolidate but also the tier one players start to look below at those uh, tier two players and start to consolidate that but obviously i don't have a crystal ball so i can't uh, you know i can't uh, i can't see exactly what's going to happen you know amongst those players but but certainly we'll see uh, you know some consolidation if if you know if if history is uh, is repeated over the next 12 months and i i think one of the the key things that we've seen amongst the service providers who've shown the best growth certainly over the last sort of 12 to 18 months and, and in fact We've seen them start to accelerate their performance over the last, even the last six to nine months, are the pure play BPO providers. And they've started to uh, have a bigger impact in the market and they've started to create higher value offerings. And we've seen that not only in, in the pure play sort of multi-providers, so the providers that operate across the BPO sector, so the Genpacks and the, the EXLs of this world. But we've also seen that in some of the uh, the specialist HR and customer care providers, you know, and they've been much more focused and much more acquisitive over the last kind of two to three years. And these providers, you know, particularly the, the specialist ones, you know, have been sort of slightly more nimble and, and better able to invest in platforms and technology that kind of augment their kind of their pure process and their pure uh, business function skills. So they've done quite a lot to actually ensure that they retain that position. You know, some of those providers, particularly the HR ones, have really been able to scale their services downwards. So targeting that kind of mid-market sector. So we've seen, you know, a market like HR processing services, so the, the, the payroll services of this world, you know, they've always been pretty heavily reliant on technology and platforms for making sure that, you know, the payroll is delivered effectively. And those things have actually been around for quite a long time. Um, but now we're seeing the platforms extend into other areas and, and, and other parts of the HR process and become sort of more end-to-end. And as I mentioned before, we've also seen players like uh, Gempact and EXL do a lot to integrate additional things within their BPO processes. So functions like analytics and automation, we've seen those things kind of actually sort of start to eke into the services that they provide. And that's set them aside, perhaps, from some of the other providers. And it's one of the things that, that HFS has, has, has talked about uh, quite a lot, you know, over the last two years, anyone who's familiar with our, you know, our content will know that we talked quite a lot about 
the as a service economy and the way uh, service providers are moving to deliver their services in that new way. And we've yet to see a very big impact on the BPO market, uh, or at least in terms of kind of new players starting to enter who are purely as a service players. So we haven't seen the equivalent of, so if you think about the infrastructure management market, you know, we've seen players like Amazon Web Services and, and, and Google kind of disrupting that quite a bit with cloud-based services. Now, we haven't seen that same sort of disruption in the BPO space. We haven't seen that kind of, that change where we've seen entrance into the market actually make that level of difference. And I think there's a couple of things that's important to remember about that. And and, uh, some of those big changes that we've seen from the likes of Amazon and Google and on infrastructure uh, outsourcing generally, Actually, they started a long time before Amazon and cloud services really uh, hit that space. So we saw uh, a lot of tier two providers kind of offering less asset intensive services um, using remote services and more automation and, and all of those things, which culminated into the cloud based infrastructure services market that we kind of currently see. And that's quite a, a difference because there's been that kind of step change where, you know, things have kind of, or the service offerings have, have evolved from one to the other. And so there's been a quite a, a long period of time, so over perhaps five to seven years where we've seen those things change. And that's different to the BPO market. So, you know, we haven't seen that kind of rapid development and you know we haven't seen the bpo market change quite so much but those changes are starting to happen and we see the bpo industry itself making those changes internally as i mentioned with companies like uh, Genpack and, and, and DXL, for example. And we're starting to see service delivery shift away from the labor-intensive processes we, we, we saw before to more technology-intensive, uh, I suppose, intelligent and adaptive operations. And you know, it may be that the detail process-centric knowledge that has, requ- has been required in the past to build that effective BPO platform will mean we will see more disruption delivered from the existing providers than we saw in the IT space because in some ways it was that expertise and the knowledge around the different processes that operate in BPO so which is one of the reasons why you you know you've seen the customer care providers specialize you've seen the HR providers specialize actually having that distinct knowledge makes a big difference and you've seen them scale in a way that you know you perhaps haven't seen some of the multi-process BPO providers do it. But that doesn't mean to say we won't see that disruption, but we're kind of waiting for someone to come up with the holy grail. So we're waiting for the full BPAS, so business process as a service model, to be adopted by the marketplace. And I think that's something that we're waiting to see. And of course, we have seen some of that happen. So we have seen these kind of offerings work, but usually they have come from an existing provider who really understands and and gets how it operates within the entire business function, because it's not something that you can necessarily do as a standalone product or service like you've seen in the IT world with cloud. What's, what's interesting, Jamie, is in Exhibit 4 that shows um, as-a-service and traditional BPO, is as-a-service driving the growth? Because if you if you look at the, the part of the chart that's traditional, it looks like that's pretty flat. And, and what appears to be growing, and maybe not as fast as we'd like to see, is the as-a-service component. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
that part of the market is growing. It's not as fast as so the differential between um, the traditional market and the as a service market in the BPO space isn't as, um, as as big as it is in the IT space. But it is there and it is apparent. So we are seeing um, faster take up of the, of the as a service models, but we haven't seen that big inflection point. Um, that perhaps we saw with cloud uh, over the last sort of two to three years, but it is something that we will expect to see. And it's also partly to do with um, external, uh, I suppose, advisors like us or, or uh, researchers like us being able to see into some of these uh, some of these contracts and some of the the services that are being delivered is that actually what we're seeing under some of these big traditional uh, contracts is a shift towards uh, you know operating on a more standardized platform and on something that uh, incorporates more automation and more other things but it's because but it's actually more difficult to see and more difficult to uh, to extract but as we get better at this and as uh, um, the the industry sort of talks about more exactly what's going into some of these deals, we will start to see, uh, you know, see it become more apparent um, that that trend towards um, the, the BPAS offering. And actually, it may not be a BPAS offering itself. It may be, and this is kind of what I my pet theory on this would be it'll actually be something along the lines of a software as a service platform um, which then has uh, a BPO service on top of it and I think that's probably where you know we will see a lot of that work and we haven't seen that um, all of that operate out into the market yet but over the next two to three years we will certainly see that. Well thanks Jamie great overview of uh, the point of view the HFS BPO top 50 Looking Beyond the Sourcing Event Horizon, authored by Jamie Snowden, Phil First, and Barbara Sheridan McGann. You can learn more about the HFS BPO Top 50 at hfsresearch.com. In addition, you can browse all of our research and, after a quick registration, view most of it for free. Thanks for listening to the HFS Podcast as a Service. We'll see you next time.